Hi everyone, you're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and wellbeing with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hi everyone. So a little while ago I did a few episodes on chronic pain and how to deal with that naturally. Now I wanted to follow up with that with a short podcast on fibromyalgia. This is something that not many people really fully understand so hopefully this will help to shed some light so that people can understand a bit more about what's going on with their condition. In my dealings with patients with fibromyalgia I do find that because there's so much incorrect information out there on the internet people are often self-prescribing them things that maybe make themselves worse or just generally don't make them feel better so if we can understand more about what will make them feel better then you know that's some awesome stuff so let's talk a bit about fibromyalgia well it was first described as fibrositis in 1904 but it wasn't until 1987 that it became more widely recognized by health professionals and then became a diagnosable condition Mostly, it affects Caucasian females in the age range of 30 to 60. However, all ages, genders and races can experience this condition. Perhaps it does affect men as much, but we know from other research that men don't seek help for health concerns as much, so that data might be a bit skewed. It's not unheard of for people with this condition to be sent off for psychological treatment. However, this condition needs a lot more than counselling and antidepressants. And unfortunately, this referral can be done with the thought that if it, it is a condition that exists solely in the mind. And so there is a stigma associated with this condition. So let's clear something up. Fibromyalgia is not the same as chronic fatigue syndrome. Yes, people with fibromyalgia have ongoing fatigue and some similar symptoms of mood, but chronic fatigue syndrome does not have the pain or achiness. Their symptoms are unrelenting fatigue and they don't often have the gut symptoms and their symptoms often come on after a viral infection, whereas fibromyalgia is now understood to not have a viral component. Previously, fibromyalgia was diagnosed with something called the 18-point tender scale after all other sorts of conditions were excluded, but this had some problems. Many physicians, including rheumatologists, had difficulty with diagnosing fibro, and it was thought that the hands-on application that was necessary for this was one of the barriers. This same problem has sadly affected fibromyalgia research as many people who were in the fibromyalgia patient groups of studies turned out they actually didn't have it. And so this this means is that the results of the research is unreliable. There was a study done where specific experts on fibromyalgia looked at the diagnostic skills of specialists such as rheumatologists in regards to fibromyalgia and they found only 30% of those diagnosed by GPs, interns and specialists were actually correctly diagnosed. Now this study resulted in a change of the diagnostic technique that was commonly being used. 
A big issue with the incorrect diagnosis is because the treatment that doctors give won't help and it also gives unreliable unreliable data in a lot of the research done in patients who were in fact incorrectly diagnosed with fibro. Another downside of the tender points test is that these sore points can be sore in people without fibro because they are trigger points for general muscle stress. An easy thing to provide a hint whether fibromyalgia may be worth considering is to squeeze the larger muscles on your body not not too hard for instance that of your thigh or your upper arms and if you are sore in all of the places that you try and you know you haven't just done a major workout that can tell you whether the pain is what we call global i.e everywhere so now instead of this 18 tender point scale we have what's called the acr diagnosis protocol Instead of the physician challenging the sore areas, the patient has to complete a subjective questionnaire about whether they have pain areas and also to describe the symptoms such as fatigue, brain fog and unrefreshed sleep. They also have to answer questions about IBS type symptoms uh, such things as depression or headaches and all of these symptoms have to be present for six months consistently and it can't be caused by something else. So the current medical treatment are forms of antidepressants and anti-epilepsy medications. They usually work on our GABA or serotonin receptors. Lots of other medications have been tried in the years with limited success, including opioids, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxants, but fibromyalgia is not an inflammatory nor a muscular problem. Unfortunately, even the currently used medications are not designed specifically for fibro. They're actually recycled versions of other medications. There is no drug that works well for this condition. Statistics show that less than 25% of people with fibro report a significant improvement from their meds. That's actually really little. And unfortunately, a lot of these medications, they can wear off after a few months, and for some of them, pain can be worse afterwards. It can be very tricky to unravel all of the possible causes that can mimic fibromyalgia, the things which cause, and air quotes here, pseudo-fibromyalgia, but it's important to get it very thoroughly and holistically addressed. There are several people that I see in clinic with pseudofibromyalgia, i.e. there was actually a different cause for their symptoms, but this wasn't properly investigated. And as we know from that study that I was referring to before, two-thirds of people are incorrectly diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So for those that I actually do see that have fibromyalgia, it can be tricky to understand what's causing it and what to actually do about it. One of the things where understanding is going on with fibromyalgia is that there is inflammation in the brain. There is an activation of the microglia, which is the immune system within the brain. This creates a sensation of pain in the muscles when there actually isn't anything wrong with the muscles or soft tissues at all. So you could equate this to the pain experienced by someone with phantom limb syndrome. Now this inflammation in the brain could be activated by dysbiosis, an imbalance of the gut bacteria, or from inflammation from leaky gut and from other disturbances in that gut-brain axis. Endotoxins or LPS are substances which cross that blood-brain barrier and create inflammation in the brain, and they come as a result of imbalances in our gut. 
people with fibro have higher levels of substance P in their spinal cord and their brain. And this causes the creation of more association neurons on the dorsal horns in the spinal cord, which essentially causes referred pain to pretty much the whole body. They also have a down regulation of the stopping of certain nervous system messages. There are many things that our nervous system takes into account and realizes that they are no longer threats. So they say, stop sending out signals about it. For example, you can't currently feel your clothing. You put your hand on your leg and after a little while you can't feel it there anymore. But people with fibromyalgia get sent these messages constantly. Part of the brain that is responsible for all of this is the limbic system, which is sometimes called the emotional brain. It's also involved in blocking and facilitating pain. Trauma and emotional stress can cause the limbic system to view the environment as a constant threat, and this is likely to be more of an issue for women than men. Imbalances in this limbic system can cause a lot of the symptoms of fibromyalgia, that sort of hypervigilance which can cause sleep disorders, parasympathetic and sympathetic imbalance, so essentially irritable everything, including irritable bowel syndrome, inhibition of the um, sensory stimuli, and a lot more stress hormones. Thankfully, with work on retraining this part of the brain, people with fibromyalgia do start to see improvements. We know that there's also an imbalance with serotonin. This causes that vicious cycle affecting sleep, fatigue, stress, pain, and it just goes on and on. The sleep aspect of fibromyalgia is actually quite unique, and a sleep study can be one of those factors that can help confirm my fibromyalgia. So, what does treatment of fibromyalgia involve? Firstly, improving sleep. We need to improve sleep by correcting our melatonin signaling by removing all sources of blue light which can help us to improve our sleep. Get rid of all the devices and sources of light. If you must look at a screen, use amber glasses or use blue blocking apps and software that helps to change the screen colour. There are even light bulbs that can help to adjust for this. We need to improve our serotonin levels. Now the sleep work that I just mentioned needs to be done. Also, any herbs, nutrients like 5-HTP and medications that work on this pathway can be helpful, but sometimes the medications don't work because there isn't another, enough serotonin to begin with, so using the herbs and nutrients needs to be done, side, done alongside the medications. You also need to make sure your vitamin D is adequate, as among other things, this nutrient works on serotonin manufacture. And you also need to make sure that your gut is healthy because dysbiosis can eat up all that serotonin or conversely, it can cause it to be diverted all to the gut rather than be where it needs to be for this, which is in the brain. And now we need to deal with stress and anxiety management. Now, I love nutrients such as L-theanine and GABA and herbs that are calming and relaxing and help the body cope with stress. In particular, things like kava, withania, passion flower, saffron and Californian poppy can all be helpful and a lot of those all have that sort of crossover action onto calming um, muscles as well. Cognitive behavioural therapy, forgiveness therapy, mindfulness are all things which can be used to help work on this aspect and are very important to include. It's also valuable to regularly practice mild aerobic exercise and gentle stretching. Strong massage and trigger point therapy is actually not helpful for people with fibromyalgia as it's not appropriate 
for this condition doesn't seem to help long term and hurts people more than it should. So just to summarise that, the key things that you need to be looking at for treatment of fibromyalgia is getting that sleep sorted, improving serotonin levels, dealing with stress and anxiety and supporting the gut and dysbiosis. So if you feel like you need some extra help with this, I do recommend that you seek help from a naturopath, a nutritionist, herbalist or other integrative practitioner that can help in this area. And definitely look into that stress work such as the cognitive behavioural therapy and mindfulness because those are really important. So like I said, it's a short one today, but I do hope that it's been helpful for you. And if you've enjoyed today, then please subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes because that really does help to promote this podcast and get the message out to people. If you've got any particular topics that you'd like to hear about, then shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I hope everyone has a lovely week and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.